Are you recording? Oh yeah. All oh, right. Okay. We've been we've been recording this whole oh, time, right. baby. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm never not recording. Oh, that's I love that. That's yeah. wicked. All right, yeah. sweet. Always on. How are you? Switched on and ready for the weekend ahead? Or just chilling, taking it easy and enjoying your morning? Either way, I'm grateful for you for joining me for The Big Run. Today's episode is another post-run chat, but before we launch into that, I wanted to let you know that our search for performance of the month continues. This spring, The Big Run and Saw are giving you and a running partner the chance to win a marathon system each. That's a pair of their legendary marathon shorts with a integrated storage for up to six in-race gels, plus an ultra-lightweight race vest. For your chance to win, they want to hear about a performance by a training partner or friend of yours which has inspired you recently. It's not just about smashing a PB or breaking the tape. Performance can and it does mean different things to different people. So we want to hear about a performance that's inspired or stood out to you. And it doesn't need to be about racing either. It can be training progress, a a huge personal feat, returning from injury or embracing a new running challenge. We just want to hear why it's inspired you and why it's a worthy winner. So submit your nominee and send it over to Alex, the legendary customer engagement officer over at Saw Running. His email is alex.i at sawrunning.com. That's alex.i at sawrunning.com with performance of the month in the subject line. Get those in before Monday, the 11th of April, and we'll announce the winner later in the month. And as the weather is looking beautiful at the moment, you may want to pick up some brand new kits. So for listeners of The Big Run, we have a discount code as well. If you punch in Big Run 15 at checkout, you'll get 15% off all of that lovely sore gear. How's it going, mate? You all right? Yeah, good to see you. Let's do one of these. Good to see you. Good to see you. We can shake hands again, so why not make the most of it? Can we run in first? I think so. Yeah, a little cheeky run. Today's guest has 18 years plus as an athlete competing over events from the 800 all the way up to marathon, from club level to national championships. I've only got five miles on the super super easy. He's a Nike coach, the founder of Team Project Run and his passion for the sport and for athletics as a whole and elevating it to its highest standards and bringing more people into the sport is a real inspiration. We met up for an easy five miles around London's Victoria Park in Hackney, East London. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted to welcome Lloyd Kempson. How was that? Yeah, good. Great run. All right. Nice, easy five miles. Oh man, I am sweating like that. Oh, I've got the Hackney Half t shirt. Yeah, he's got his Hackney Half. I didn't actually plan that. <laughs> okay, Lloyd, first question How do we solve the uh, this, this current state of British athletics? Bloody hell, mate. <laughs> going, going, going in right straight away. I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, I think, I, I think what might be. Because like, when, I, when I think of you and look at you on social media and stuff, I feel like there's such a. There's such a depth of knowledge for all things athletics and running and like the full spectrum as well, because you've kind of been involved in in club running, athletics, also in community building as well. I'm, I'm interested to know the sort of 
the story of that, like how you've gotten such a such an in-depth knowledge. So, can we give uh, can we give the listeners a bit of a like a Lloyd 101? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think um, we recorded. Oh yeah. All oh, right. Okay. We've been we've been recording this whole time, oh, right. baby. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm never not recording. Oh, that's I love that. That's yeah. wicked. All right, yeah. sweet. Um, I think that question. Wait, it's funny you ask. You know, how do we change the state of British athletics? In the last three months or so, I think I've changed my changed my perception on what I want to be perceived as, and what I I know this. God, this sound this sounds so like future thinking, but what I also want to be remembered for. I don't want to be known as or perceived as a guy that just slags off British athletics all the time, because in previous times I've just just gone in at them every single day. I don't want to be that person. It's almost like the person that's always going in at the, the government, yet does nothing to help the government or does nothing to aid the situation or try and improve the situation. I now want to be seen as a person that, yeah, don't get me wrong, I've got big issues of where the sport is. Mm-hmm. But rather than just moaning about it, I'm going to do what I can, when I can, to try and improve it and work with people rather than against them. So in previous times where I've publicly said that I think British athletics are failing the sport, I'm not, I'm not going in there with that mindset anymore. I think they do massive things for sport. I think they are amazing for so many areas of it. And now, some of the areas that they might not be necessarily doing what I think they should be, I'd rather try and facilitate some of those and try and help in some of those areas rather than fight against them. So 100%, 100%, and I think I should have probably caveated that question, but it's not like I think of you as like this guy who's like constantly like banging his, ha- banging his hand on the table, be like, do this, do that. It's, it more comes across as coming from a place of real passion, mm, yeah. I think, because you've been, you've been connected to the sport from like really young age, right? Seven years old. Right. Yeah, seven years old, first time uh, I went to a running meeting. My sister was competing and then a week, oh, really? after, a week mm. after that, I went to my first running club, the club that she was already at. Okay. And then, literally, that few, few weeks after that, maybe three or four weeks after that, I did my first cross-country race. And that was it. Off we go. Off we go. Race, race, race. Train, train, train. Okay, can you, remember, can you remember your, your first running club experience then? I like the fact that it was your sister that went first yeah. and then you went. Yeah, Older yeah. sister. Older sister, four years older, mm-hmm. yeah. So... Yeah, I, I can't remember the first training session, but I could... I, I, <laughs> I'd love it if you could. Like, no, I can't. I can remember my first running race, though. Oh, I, my first running race, I was eight years old, and it was a cross-country race. And uh, I was actually telling this story recently. And it, it makes me smile and laugh so much because of how it transpired. So I'm eight years old. I'm in the under-11 category, so I'm racing people that are a few years older or mm. whatever. And in them days, the sport... You know, we're talking 2002. So in them days, the sport wasn't what it is now. Post-2012 Olympics, there was a huge influx of kids that signed up to their local clubs, which is awesome. But back in them days, they were very thin on the ground at eight, nine, ten years old. So I'm lining up in a race with maybe 10 or 15 boys and girls. And in them days, a cross-country race, you're probably only running for 10 minutes. So I don't know how far that would correlate to, maybe a couple of kilometres. And I'm standing on the start line, and, and I genuinely have no idea what happens in a race. I don't know, I didn't know there was a gun, I didn't know there was a start, a start, an official starter that wears all these red, red, red outfit, you know, I didn't know. All I knew was there was a first place, that's all I knew. So I went into that race, the only thing that I know is to win. 
And that sounds crazy. I didn't know that taking part was fun. I didn't know that there was community. I didn't know that just finishing is an achievement. No, 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 no. All I know is from seeing on TV, well, if you win, you get a medal. Mm. And that's all, I, that's all I knew. So the race, the race starts, off we go. And I, and I can distinctly remember, remember, we're running down the side of a plough field, cross country is fine, it's in Boston, Lincolnshire. Mm. And I'm at the front of the race because that's the best place to be, surely. And I look left and I look right of me. I'm looking left and right of me. And like my competitors, if you like, are sort of like near, nearly with me, maybe half a stride behind. And I'm looking at them. And I remember looking this kid up and down because he was from the same club as me and trying to figure out what he was doing and whether there was something that he was doing that I wasn't because that's how little I knew about the sport. Mid-race. Mid-race. And once I realised, subconsciously, right there and then, these are too slow, I went, I just left the group, and I won. And I won the race. Like, and, I, and I finished, and it was a case of, I was an eight-year-old kid, I've just won a race, and everyone's buzzing about it. And I was like, well, yeah, you could, yeah I won. Like, that's what you do. And, I was in, and I've been in that mindset and I was in that mindset for probably the next 10 or 12 years until my early 20s where it was winning or nothing. No, I did not care about coming second because for me, if I didn't win, I failed, but I'll try and win the next one. But obviously, yeah, in the last sort of six, seven years of my life, I found other areas of the sport that I'm so passionate about now. But that, yeah, that first, that first race really sticks in my brain because it was almost like I was running with that with no fear. And if you can run with no fear as a competitive athlete, you are potentially unbeatable. That, well, that's the, that's the holy grail, I think. Like, when I've interviewed other athletes, the ones that really stand out are the ones that have that insane self-belief and confidence. And carrying that as a young child, like, is that quite a lot of... Did you, did you enjoy it? Did you relish it? Did you feel sometimes pressured to constantly very, have that? Very pressured. Mindset? Yeah, I used to cry quite a lot on the start line. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to be so scared. I, do you know what I was scared? I was scared of losing. I literally cry on the start line. And my, my dad is a football man, and my dad was a very, very, very pushy parent. Like, crikey. You, really? could, you couldn't get away with that in this day and age. Very pushy. But I love him for doing it, because it made me who I am today. Mm. Don't get me wrong, there were times where we would shout and scream at each other, and I would want to never run again, or never talk to him again. But like, half an hour later, I'd go and do that training run, or I'd go and, you know, do what I needed to do on that day. And, um, yeah, man, I used to get so scared on the start line. And I used to think, honestly, mate, it gives me a taste in my throat. I honestly still remember it now. I used to get so scared that what are people going to say if I don't win because I won the last one? And then you keep winning, you keep winning. Because, mate, I didn't lose a race for four years. Three years, three and a half years from the age of eight years old. I did not lose a race. I could, that's genuinely hand-on-heart truth. So what happened when you did lose? I cried so much. I was, so, I was. What was there a shift in perspective for you? Like, I mean, what was the process after that? Have you had this streak? I even remember of like the race. Years? It was a 600 metre track race at Great Yarmouth Track. Oh. How freaky is that? Like, I actually remember the race. I came second, mm. and I was so upset. I just cried and cried and cried because I'd been beaten. But I and I can't. Re I can't remember if there was a perspective change. I can't remember. But now I look back at it and I can hand on heart say, you know, the better guy won. What a great athlete. Mm. But back then, yeah, I probably, I probably just. I probably just thrashed myself so hard that I didn't, that I wasn't good enough or whatever, but, and that wasn't healthy. Mm. But that, that, you know, that's the downside to being so competitive sometimes. Mm. But, um, but yeah, like, I think the, the biggest skill, the, the big, not the biggest, the biggest tool in my armory when I was that age was that because I had no fear, that I, did, I had no fear of how much it was gonna hurt 
because I didn't know that pain barrier. Whereas now, I've been running for so long, I, I, I subconsciously, I'm too aware of the pain. So like, you know, I do a 10K road race, I know it's probably gonna start to pinch around three, 4K. That's not a good thing, because I'm tentative towards it. Whereas back then, it was like, I'm just gonna go as hard as I can. And when I, when I feel like I'm starting to slow down, me and that feeling are gonna have a fight and I'm gonna win that fight. Yes, it gets me fired up talking about it because it's like, I'm not, I'm not like that anymore in my running. I wish I was a little bit more. Would you like to go back to that mentality a little bit? A little bit, and I do, it does come back in the fitter I get, the more competitive I get, and the more I start to see results in training, I start to think, I start to get more, it's almost like I get more feisty with myself, I get more competitive against myself. Um, Are but, you trying to keep a lid on it to a certain degree, do you think? I think you've got to be realistic. You've got to be realistic for where you're at. You know, I'm 27 now, I'm not, I'm not a well beater, and I'm far, far, far away from my best shape, so, you know, I can't be going down to a track to do a session or entering a race and being like, yeah, I'm going to win. It's just not realistic. You're going against fully grown adults that have been doing a full winter of training or, you know, whoever they are. And ultimately, like, <laughs> doesn't matter if the stars align, I physically cannot beat them today. Mm. So it's knowing that. Um, but when you're eight years old, mate, you don't think about that. You don't think about that. You just go for it. I love that thing of like not knowing what the pain's going to be like. Like that's such a, it's interesting. Like when we were at the at the national cross country relays and we were there quite early on, and you see some of the young kids lining up for like the the real the real tiny ones, the first yeah. races of the day, and at the national as well. Like come the finish line, those kids have like they've been through something. Like they've got yeah. that kind of like they learn a lot about themselves. Yeah, that long, slightly vacant stare of like Jesus, that I did not right. expect it to be like that. That's why I really would love my, like, one day when I do have kids, like, don't get me wrong, I'd love them to get into running, but if they don't want to do it, they don't want to do it. I won't do what my dad did and, and, and almost, I feel, like, I feel like I'm trashing my dad a bit here, but almost like forcing me into something that maybe they don't want to do at the time. But I would love them to get involved in sport, whether it's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, whether it's boxing, rugby, football, ballet, whatever it is, so that they can go through the process of succeeding, but then go through the process of failing and I spoke about this recently on Instagram with Nike embracing failure is really important and I think that as a, as a kid it's really important that you do embrace failure you can only do that by yourself you can only do it through your own eyes and that might take weeks months years it took me a long time but eventually once you understand what failure is and how it can actually benefit you just be, just improves you as a person and improves you as a sports person or whatever you you know you do daily because I mean you've had a lot of struggles with injury as well right mm, yeah like that's Injury, I think, is always an interesting one to talk to an athlete about because it can sometimes, well, again, not to the same standard as you, but it can be a lonely place, right, when you're injured? Yeah, I think it depends on the injury a lot. Um, if you've got an injury that's really common, it's probably less lonely because there's a lot of references that you can Was yours not seek. common? No, I've not really had a diagnosis yet, so uh, still. Still dealing with it? Um, yes and no. So I haven't... I haven't had the initial problem I haven't had a diagnosis from because I've been to so many different specialists and they weren't able to diagnose it. And then the sort of knock-on effect of that injury, then it was affecting my hamstring, which is now the main problem, more so than the initial problem. Um, but ultimately my uh, solution has been strength and conditioning. Right. Literally, man, getting in the gym, doing my rehab, stepping back from that old mantra of train harder, be better, more miles, plod the roads, all of that. No, 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 now it's stepping back, doing more cross training, having more rest and recovery, doing way more strength and conditioning, 
you know, before every run, having to do 10 minutes of boring rehab exercises. But if I don't do them, I get injured. And it, honestly, mate, like literally, it's only been the last six months that I've realised this. And it took getting injured so many times to eventually, and my girlfriend to literally bash it into me, to literally say, you are literally headbutting a brick wall. You are not going to go through it. You have to... Is that what she said to you? Pretty what much. Like, those she, words? Her words, well, she, she works in clinical exercise, so, like, she said she knows the importance of strength and conditioning. She said you can't keep expecting to, give, to get more and more out of your body when you're not... You haven't got an infrastructure to support it. Mm. You know, I, hadn't, I was doing no strength and conditioning. She zilch. And expecting my legs to be able to go and run 440 a mile. Like, mm. what planet am I on? Some runners can do it. There are some... Freak runners out there that don't need to do any strength work and they can just smash their running. And you know, when we talk about that, that eight-year-old kid that was really competitive, and now I've embraced the failure of understanding that, you know what, I can't, I can't do what I'd love to be able to do at the level I'd love to do at the moment. So what can I do to bridge that gap to get back there? And that is stepping back, swallowing that ego and just changing your perspective on things. And do you know what, like in the last four, four or five weeks, I've started with a new coach completely changed the way I've been training, doing less miles, doing less training, doing way, doing less mileage in terms of training, but doing way more like cross training and gym work and recovering. And, and also when I do run and I do do hard workouts, controlling them, not breaking a neck every session. And lo and behold, four weeks later, for the first time in maybe two years, I'm actually seeing improvements and actually seeing those numbers get lower. And uh, that's got to feel that's got to feel good, right? Yeah, at best feeling ever. But I think it confirms that running is not rocket science. There are a set principle, there are a set number of principles, training principles that are widely available out there, okay? And you can, you can add science towards those principles, right? For example, keep your easy runs easy. That's a training principle. You do that because of X, Y, Z. You do your easy runs easy so that you can recover between your hard days. You can soak up the fitness from the training that you've done previously to that point. And ultimately, it gives your body a chance to repair any muscle fibres you broke previously, right? That's throwing a little bit of science in there, but it's staying true to the principle. And those principles can be as long as you need them to be. You need to do strength and conditioning. You need to have recovery days sporadically across the year. You need to run with others to enjoy it. You need to race every now and again. You need to not race too much. You need to stretch. You need to mobilise. Bloody hell, we could go on forever. But training principles are really key. And I think for every runner, you need a set of training principles and almost a... Um, rational mindset, sort of list of rational mindset principles that when you do veer away from them and you do start maybe cutting corners or getting a bit frustrated, you can refer back to them. I see what you mean, so it's like, well, of course that's happened because you haven't done X, Y, Z. Mate, I've got, yeah, absolutely. I've got a diary in my backpack in the, in the car. I'll show you it. And the page is called Rational Mindset. And my girlfriend forced me to write this when I was really injured at December last year. Um, and she said, write down your rational mindset, your absolute non-negotiables. And I can't even remember most of them now, which means that I'm doing them, like I'm subconsciously doing them, and they are. One of them says, I don't need to double run six times a week. Sometimes cross-training is a better option. Sometimes a rest day is needed. Strength and conditioning is my, is, is my ultimate hero. Like, little weird things like that because sometimes when I get home from work or I get home from running and I don't want to go to the gym, so I'm knackered, I look at that book and I think, that's what I need to do. Is this iced coffee? Has it got any sugar or syrup in it? 
Can I grab one of those instead, please? Uh, I'll have one of those as well, actually. Yeah, Good idea. It's cold, yeah. That is everything, yeah. So we talked a little bit about, well, we talked a lot about kind of what you got from the sport and like your relationship with it, but I think like another massive aspect of you and your place within the kind of running ecosystem is like the volume that you've contributed as well, like Team Project Run, the events that you've hosted, this particular event that we're gonna chat about that's coming imminently. Yeah. Like so when did that when did when did the want to kind of put back into the sport start? Like what was first? Was it Team Project Run? Was it was it coaching? Um, like how did yeah, it start? It was um, it was Team Project Run. Um, Honestly, mate, when I get asked that question, it, it makes me cringe. I, I, <laughs> I really struggle taking well, compliments. Because I'm going to throw no, some just, at you. Because you contribute a lot, man. But that, like, that word, contribute, and like giving back to the sport and what I've done for the sport. Because you actually what, look like you've gone a little bit red, yeah, actually. Yeah, I just, I, do you know why? that is true thing he Do you know has. why I really struggle with it? It's because I really struggle, and this is probably one of my pet hates with the sport at the moment in the UK, is that... So you say I contribute to the sport and I give back to the sport. So I have a love for running. Of course I'm going to give back to the sport. Of course I'm going to be... Of course I'm going to contribute to the sport. I love it. If you love the sport and you're not contributing back to it and not giving it back for the future generations, why? And I really struggle when people say, oh, you do so much for the sport. No, I don't. But I think you'd be surprised at, like, the amount of people who don't have that rationale that you do. Mm -hmm. Like, I was speaking to people at Mansfield, like, talking about the volunteers and stuff, and they were like, yeah, yeah, really See, grateful. This is what would I'm you, talking about. Would you That's do giving it? back to sport. I've never volunteered as an official. That, I will, and after this conversation, I bloody will. I've done parkrun, actually, but I don't think that counts as much as something like the Mansfield Cross Relays. These guys stand out there mm -hmm. every single year, and all they get is their train paid for and a packed lunch in a brown bag. You've got to tell me that that's enjoyable for them. Now, that's giving back to the sport. All the coaches that have been unpaid for the last 30, 40 years at local clubs, when you've got people like me earning a living from it online. See, that I, I've, got so many, I've got so many sort of struggles with, with the sport, and I'm included in it. I'm the problem as well, because like I've just mentioned, like, I charge for coaching, yet there are so many great club coaches that don't and give up their free time. And, and, and I know that I'm, I'm part of... But you're realistic, though, as yeah, well, I'm because you got, like, we live in a capitalist society. You've got to make a living. Like, you have to find a sustainable way. Like, and I think a lot of these volunteers that you're talking about, you know, a lot of the people from the ECCA that I was talking to, they're of a certain age, they're of a certain generation where they can afford to do it. Coaching and shouldn't be free, though. It's from the club. No, well, this is the thing. Like, it's, this not in, is... it's not free in America. You no. You can, you can rarely get a sprints coach free in the UK. Coaches like Linford Christie, for example, great athlete in his day. You think he's coaching for free? No. Well, this is what blew my mind, because I've only recently started getting coached by someone from my club. Yeah. Glynis Penny, ran the marathon the Commonwealth Games in 86, won the National wow. Cross Country in 77. Her husband, Keith Penny, they know their shit when it comes to that's marathons. So, that's so oh, good. massive flex. And I will talk, she's been on the podcast, I will talk about her till Kingdom Come. And I remember this Seville marathon that sadly didn't come to be. Um, best training I've ever done was, was with, with her. And I remember mm. saying, like, she gave me this plan, she gave me all this information, all this detail. On the phone constantly, what's happening? I was like, do you, I've got, how much do you want for this? Like, well, how much does a tra train plan cost? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, no, no. Nothing. Same as my I do it because I love it. 
Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God. See, what's interesting is Mark. And all these legends that work in the clubs as well, yeah. like her and so many other coaches out there that have got the pedigree of being like ex-international athletes. I know. It's I nuts, know. man. My, my current coach, my new coach, I've only been working with for about four weeks now. He is a, um, he's got an online running coach business, but he coaches a small number of athletes for free. So me and probably maybe five other athletes that are more training to be as elite as possible, if you like. Yeah, yeah slightly some, sharper ends. Some yeah. of his athletes are very good, don't get me wrong. Um, he trains those for free uh, and, he, and he, uh, voluntarily, and he said that he does it because he, that, that's him giving back to the sport because he was a competitive athlete. He's raising these athletes to be very competitive, not to say that some of the other athletes that pay him can't be, um, so that's an interesting, interesting niche. But I think that's a good model, though. I think. Yeah, I think, like... I think you are right. I think it's important for me to say, though, that I, I know that I just said that you know I charge for coaching, and um, there are so many people out there that don't. Um, there's, there's certain things that I've done in the past few years that I, I just don't talk about. I, I don't advertise, and like in terms of coaching voluntarily, like I, I, co I coached, I coached kids for three years three nights a week at St Mary's Athletics Track for the, for the, for the uh, St Mary's University Kids Club. Like, that was me giving back to some, giving, some level, giving back to the sport. Like, it was also sort of learning my trade as well. Um, there's been other bits and pieces that I'll, I'll, I'll always try and if there's an opportunity to give back to the sport, I will. I'll always try and do that. So the thing is, is that do. you're willing. That's the yeah, thing. And I, I think I'm willing, man. Because if I, think, I don't, who else will? Yeah, and I think it's about getting maybe just like taking yourself out off the rack a little bit. Like you're, there's there's still a great volume of things that you're contributing, and the fact that you want to do more, yeah. I think, is great. And I think it's about being. It's like what we just talked about. It's being realistic in terms of like you have to make things sustainable as well as having an element of like contributing as well mm. and you are like clearly doing that and you're clearly doing stuff that is going to be drawing the sport under more of spotlight in terms of like the events that you're staging as well yeah. like so was the I know the comeback 5000 is coming imminently but the first iteration that was kind of the first one out of lockdown was that the first event that you'd ever kind of staged or did you stage stuff before no um, so it's important to say that I didn't actually organize the first one I just commentated on it you but see that, that's kudos to your kind of persona, though, because it, like... I, did, I didn't organise any of that. You were, you were banging the drum, though, so it came across oh, mate, like yeah. you, were, promoted, you yeah. were... I promoted it as yeah. much as I could. Like, okay. My job was, they came to me and said, would you want, a live, would you want to comment out on the live stream for this? Do you, do you know anyone that you could do it with you? And I sourced Becca, my friend, because I thought she would be great, because uh, she's, she's a great fit. And um, So I didn't actually organise any of that. But previous to that, through the pandemic, just before the pandemic, I'd live streamed on my iPhone at Bats. The first one I ever did was at Batsy Park. They did a night of the 1500 meters. Again, same, same group of people organized it. And I turned up to watch and just as a fan. So I was in the middle of the field like this, just on my phone. And you know what? I was like, if I can get a, if I can get a copy of the start lists, do you reckon the officials will let me run along the start? Just, just call out the runners. So I went and got a copy of the start list and I walked out and I said, all right, all right, mate, do you mind if I just do a bit of live streaming on the, yeah, sweet, yeah? So lane one, we got so-and-so from Herne Hill Harriers. She's an under 13. She's running her first 1500 meters tonight at the season because I had power of 10 up on my phone. Love it. I just went for it. And a few people were like, that was really good. And then, um, I mean, the A races were fantastic that night. So that, so that got a bit of traction. And then I got asked to do 
the same for the Bromley Twilight Invitational that Mark Cookway was hosting. And this was during the pandemic where you could only have six in a race. And that was when Mark Scott, Alex Yee, and James West bowed it out and we're running like 7.40 for the 3K. And that was a real turning point. Because I was live streaming on Instagram Live, crappy stream, like looking like I'm filming it on a microwave. <laughs> and we had, I, I was so excited by the race, I don't know how many viewers we had, but Evan Yeager from Bowman Track Club and uh, Craig Engels were commenting on the live stream. They were watching it the other side of the world. And I'm like, little meeting in Bromley, tiny little budget, crappy iPhone, live stream, and it's reaching the other side of the world. What are we doing wrong with the other events? Um, so then that was a turning point, and then obviously, yeah, I got the opportunity to, to live stream on the comeback, and that changed the game forever as soon as, as, soon as that Because your commentary was insanely good. Like, Thank take you. it, take it, take it, let it I've sit in. I've listened to it a few times. It's, it's great, though, but, you know, but I think, like, as I've you know, interviewed other, like Brendan Foster, like other amazing commentators, and I think what makes it so good is it's that incredible depth of knowledge and the passion that you have that makes it so easy for you to be so articulate about commentating on this sport like it's it's amazing and it was one of the biggest draws of watching it live was your commentary well i, I really appreciate that and i think that um the the the, the biggest thing i've got when it when it comes to comment commentating because i have no experience in it i've no i just I, literally, I just call it as I see it, as a fan, and a lot of the athletes I have relationships with, whether it's personally, I know them, and I'm, I'm on a level where I can say hello to them and I can chat to them and I know a bit about their story, or I followed their journey. I, I don't know if many people know this, but I'm an absolute athletic nerd. I know so many names and their PBs, and I follow their journey. I'm on power of 10 on results every single day. I love the sport and I love watching it. So. If there's a woman that's fourth in, the, if she's currently fourth with a lap to run, in the in the C race, I probably know her PB, and I can look at the clock and quickly work out whether she's on for it. So yeah, that's worth saying on the live stream. So and so is in fourth place with 400 metres to run. If she can run an 84 last lap here, she's going to run a PB that she set at so and so last year. So I've got that ability to just be able to reel it off, um, and I love doing it. I just, clearly, I, that's so I just clear. love doing it. And do you know what? If I could. If I could do one thing for the rest of my life, I'd give up everything else and I'd commentate. I'd commentate. Overrunning? 100%. Oh, 100%. oh mate, it's so, that, so exhilarating. That makes sense. That, like, that makes sense to me, considering what we've just talked about and you talking about your running, but the fact that you're willing to give it up yeah. kind of illustrates to me why, what makes you so good at it, I think. So good, man. I love it. Because you love it so much and that passion is so, is so evident. So was that part, so it was kind of tasting that and kind of dipping your toe in it with the with the sort of the more lo-fi live streams with your phone, and then the, the the first the first event that you commentated on was that kind of what's kickstarted this more recent event that's coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, because I coupled it up with I love I love the commentary side of things, but I also love what it represents and the people that come together for these events to make them happy happen, from the officials to the to the sponsors to the to the camera crew to to the people talking on the mic and to the athletes themselves, obviously. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, post-comeback, which was organised by Steve Gardner, team manager of Belgrave, me and Steve were constantly in con contact because we got a lot of good press and a lot of good coverage after that event because we didn't, we didn't actually promote or, or, or advertise who was hosting the event, like who was organising it, who were the people behind the event. Um, so no one really knew, like, who, who, whose event is this? Mm. And I was really, really sort of, on at Steve to say, look, Steve, we've got a great product here that you created. 
I think I can bring great value with my contacts, my, my, my general views of what I think make a great meeting. And I think we could create something really powerful here that's gonna, that, and this is the difference. I'm not going to Steve and saying, look Steve, I've got something in here that I think we can make 50, 60, 70 grand a year or whatever. That's, the money has never been mentioned. I said, I've got a thing here that I think can change the sport in the UK forever. Like, I genuinely think the product that we can put out can change the sport forever. Not just because of what we're gonna put out, but the influx of what that's gonna mean for other people. So so-and-so at North will see our meeting and be like, I can do that. And he'll try it with his mates. And that will be a snowball effect. And we've seen it since the first comeback. You've got companies like uh, Podium 5K and Sports Shoes linking up. Mm -hmm. They've got races around the UK now. Different people going to an event, putting their iPhone on and live streaming and trying to commentate. And I, I, I see it, they're trying to commentate like I've done it. And I love that. They've seen it and they've said, I can do that. I, I know I can do that just as well or maybe better. And it's having that influence on sport. That is what a true influencer is. Exactly. That is it's what a true influencer is. influencer in the purest sense, isn't it? Yeah, 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 100%, man. And yeah, so oh, I, just, I, just, I just can't wait for it. It's, it's so exciting because I don't know what's going to happen on the track, obviously. I don't have a crystal ball. And I don't know what I'm going to say before I say it. Um, and I, a lot of people have said, oh, do you, know, do, do you want to go into commentary? Do you want to you know, get on BBC and things like that? And, and people are always commenting the same thing on the Instagrams, like, oh, BBC should be on the phone. I can't ever see me doing that because... It doesn't feel like a good fit for you. Exactly that. I, I don't feel... think I could go to... Say, say I get a call from BBC and say, oh, we'd love to trial you for this event. But you can't cut, cut that out. Mm. Don't say that. Can you just lower the volume down a little? No, because then it's not me. And I think this is this is a, the really interesting thing, and this is something we touched on when we were running as well, is that need to control, to craft the narrative or shape the edit of what is consumed in terms of what people see or what people hear. I think is potentially detrimental to the sport because there's more of this unfiltered kind of naturalistic kind of raw sense of the sport which makes it more interesting makes it more engaging it's like that drive to survive thing yeah, that we were talking yeah. about like the more unfiltered we can show from people who are passionate about the sport or from the athletes themselves and their interesting stories i think the more it will preserve the sport and more it will switch people onto it as well i think when they see like oh my god there's these amazing athletes that are more than just athletes they're multi-dimensional interesting characters that we can connect with and have, you know, have stakes in and be invested in when we watch them in, yeah. in events, right? Does that, that feels like fair, like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, growing up as a kid, my favorite show was Power Rangers and I was infused by these five colorful superheroes, <laughs> which you never saw their face, but I was infused by their influence on me and I looked up to them, right? Because of how cool and futuristic they were. Okay. You can sell a character. If you can sell a character's narrative, you can just run with it. Mm. and. Some of our athletes from all, from all abilities are, have got so many layers to their, to their life that we could invest in. Someone that's run 13.20 for 5K is a super, super athlete, like supernatural to most of us. But that goes so far, they've run 13.20, great. So that means that they run this amount of time per lap, great. Give me more. Mm. Where did they grow up? What did they do for a living? Mm -hmm. What was their first job? Who, what do their parents do? What are their trials and tribulations that they've had to face throughout their life? What obstacles have they overcome? Okay, let's go a little bit more performance-based. Where do they train out of? Who do they train with? Who are their biggest rivals? What football team do they support? Why is that relevant? Because it gives us a story to tell about that athlete and it gives more people 
that may not necessarily be invested in the sport at the moment, something to look towards and gravitate towards. 100%. For example, Ben Connor is running in our men's elite A race. I know he is a humongous Derby County fan. <laughs> that is something I gravitate towards because I love football. Not for everyone, but for me personally mm -hmm. it is. So I'm excited for Ben to be involved in our race, not just because he's a great athlete, but because I know he, li he likes championship football. I know he likes football like I do. That is a prime example. We need to be able to add more strings to the bows from our athletes yeah. so that we can gain more fans that are currently only watch it when it's the Olympics, only watch the 100 meter final. And that drive to survive thing is such a great example of where Formula One was previously is where athletics is now. We have a process of marketing the sport and, and showcasing the sport that works for the current audience. Don't get me wrong, I feel there are many holes that need to be filled in it, but yeah, it's marketable and it's attractive to a certain amount of people. So it was Formula One. Formula One have now realised that the way they were doing things limited their ceiling of potential. How do they break through that ceiling and reach unlimited new fans? Mm -hmm. Well, they changed the entire marketing strategy, invested heaps and heaps and millions of pounds into probably a completely new team to say, right, how do we reach new audiences? How do we bring new innovative ways that are gonna gravitate more eyes? Athletics isn't doing that. They can say they are, but they're not. And the proof's in the pudding. If you say you're doing something and you're showing it, I'll be the first to say, good job. I can't see anything innovative other than Highgate 10K in the UK that is gonna attract new fans. Still got the Diamond League circuit, great, fantastic, love it. British champs, that's the still same old, same old. We've still got the BMC, great. We've got random little open meetings here and there. We've got, uh, we've got league matches, like Southern League, British League, that are falling on their arse and falling through the ground because clubs are struggling with no funding and lack of support for their facilities. There are no innovative meetings coming around. There are no new projects. There are no new series. There are no track leagues. There's nothing. So. Don't get me wrong, at the top end, the elites, they're doing great. They're winning medals, they're doing this, they're doing that. They're on Mulu Yogurt adverts, fantastic. <laughs> but the, there's a massive gap because once you fall through that top bracket of elites, what's left? Mm. There's nothing. Mm. Because the elite side of the sport, in, in a British uh, uh, sense of things, it's only going to have a, a certain amount of fans and eyes that want to watch that. There are a lot of athletics fans that don't care to watch the Diamond League, but they care about Hernhill Harriers versus Wimbledon. Mm -hmm. They care about the domestic side. So I just think that as much as I love the elite side of the sport, I mean, working for Nike, I have to. I, I appreciate how great the elite side of the sport is and how much it gives us, gives the sport some infrastructure. There's not enough that falls down the hill. There's not enough that trickles down to the, to the lower levels of the sport which ultimately, in my opinion, is just as, just as exciting as the elites. And that's why, you know, in the last year or 18 months since comeback, and even before comeback, I was sitting around and I, and I'm mo and I keep moaning about it. I keep moaning about there's no support for domestic athletics. There's no exciting races to watch in the UK. No quality live streams. No one talking about the sport like they talk about UFC, boxing, rugby, football, you name it. Crikey, even cricket has become so exciting with the 2020 league and the IPL and the Big Bash League in Australia. So rather than moaning about it, I just thought, Do you know what? I'm at a place now where I've got the time, I've got the money from, from all my other ventures, I've got the contacts and I've got the idea and I know the model works. So 
I'm just going to do just it. Do it. I'm just going to do it. Just do it. And if it fails, and it falls through the it falls through the, the ceiling, at least you can say, oh well, I gave it a go. Mm -hmm. I gave it a go to try and make the sport a little bit more desirable in the UK, and it didn't quite work out. Okay, well, how do how do we change things up? But that's not going to happen. I think that's the main thing: is just be willing to do it and don't wait. Don't yeah. wait anymore. Like you've waited long enough, I think. So for people, so when is it? How can people get involved? Mm -hmm. Give us like the ABCs of the event. So for people who are like, may have heard of it, but they're not quite sure what it's all about. So Good Friday, April the 15th at Battersea Park is the Comeback 5000. Uh, it's a series of 5,000 races um, that are gonna, there's probably gonna be in excess of 10 races maybe. Um, starts around 1 p.m. and everyone's gotta be out by 5 p.m. So sunset drinking vibes. We're gonna have a lot of light, uh, loud music. It's gonna be very vibrant. We're gonna have a lot of great athletes running on the night. It's free to enter. So please, like everyone, bring your family, bring your friends, anyone that's intrigued about athletics, just come down and watch. We'll have alcohol there, food there on the night, music, as I said. I'll be on a live stream commentating with Becca Howard like the last time we did it. But there's a lot of things that we've done this time around and we've invested I'm very grateful to our sponsors, ProDirect and TripAdvisor, but we've invested a lot of money into certain elements that we're not going to advertise until the night because we want to show what we can do with a few quid, and that comes in the form of camera equipment. So there's going to be surprises in store that people are going to... Not necessarily surprises, because it's nothing new. You may have seen it on other sports. But how they experience the yeah, event is going to be different. You're going to experience an event domestically that you've never before. The only... Obviously, you've got high K, the night of 10K PBs, but I would arguably say that that's no longer a domestic event. That's probably an, an, an international event now, which is fantastic. I love that. It's on BBC now. So um, this isn't something you've never seen before. You've seen this before, but we're going to do it in a way that you may not have experienced before. And I've said, that, I've said this to many people. The meeting in four weeks' time is going to be great. It's going to be really exciting, and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be very successful. And I think it will be, but it is nothing on what we have planned for 2023. What we've got planned in 2023 is just a dip in the ocean of what you'll see in four weeks. And yeah, you just got to, ultimately, you just got to either come down and watch or watch the live stream. That's all you've got to do. As a fan, you've just got to give up a bit of your time. Just watch it. That's it. Good Friday, one till five. Watch it live stream. So where can we find the live stream? Pro Direct Running's YouTube channel. Okay. Is where the live stream will be. And they um, can come down for free yeah, to watch it at Battersea Park yeah. if you're in London, right? Completely free. Oh, it's Good Friday. Day. You've got you'd have the day oh, off mate. anyway. Most people aren't at work. Um, it's in the day. It's you know it's a good time for families. The sun should be shining. Bring the kids. Bring the family. We're gonna have a little after party at the Pear Tree Cafe, which is literally 100 yards from the track. Outdoor drinking, apple spritzes galore, and you know it's it's not gonna be perfect. You know we've literally done this in six weeks. Nothing's gonna be perfect, but it's authentic and it's good, passionate heads that are around the table have come back that have said, you know what. We know we can create a good product here that can deliver, and let's just have a crack. And then, yeah, it should be, um, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to keep my lid, a lid on my excitement because I-, I You can I, hear it, man, you can I'm hear so it bubbling. Excited. It's, gonna, it's gonna be mega. It's gonna be absolutely mega. And I think the thing I'm most excited for post-event is the influence it's gonna have on other people to do it themselves. Because I, I literally could, could write a 15, 20 page ebook on how you can do it and you could go up to your area and do it yourself and yeah it does take getting some sponsorship money and marketing it and advertising it and, and, and being being marketable and demanding for sponsors but it's doable clearly so it's gonna be good man it's gonna be really good so 
looking forward into the... I know you don't have a crystal ball. You'd, mm. you'd maybe like one for your commentating for the, yeah, for the events, but looking into the crystal ball 10 years from now, yeah. where would you like this thing to, to, to blossom to? And what yes. would you like the kind of ripple effect to be for the sport mm. as a whole? 10 years, probably a little bit far down the line. It's a long time. It's okay, long maybe time. five. What about five? Five years, I think um, comeback events, which is now um, official business, me and Steve Gardner, team manager of Belgrave, we're now, we've joined forces and we're going we're gonna to launch a track series. So in five years, we'll have an established track series, which will be all over the UK, um, where a range of events are contested to accumulate the king and queen of that series. Loads of incentives and prizes for the athletes to win, but it will always give domestic athletes an opportunity to toe the same line. It won't just be elite athletes. I'm not interested in really fast races. I'm interested in good races. So don't get me wrong, I love fast runners turning up, like Jake Smith, Ben Connor, Eleanor Bolton, like, uh, those, those sorts of athletes, but I'm more interested in those athletes racing for the win, racing for the prize pot, racing for the prizes. But yeah, track series, in five years, I hope we'll have it broadcasted somewhere, whether that's BBC, Channel 4, Channel 5, or bloody Dave, I don't really care. Um, some broadcaster showing it. And, I, and as I said at the start of this, this chat, before I wanted to do this to show British athletics what should be done, whereas now I want to do it to show, no, not even to show, now I want to do it and actually go to British athletics and say, look, come on this journey with us, get involved, take this with you, and, and just take it to everyone around the UK. And, and yeah, I hope that um, British Athletics will see this meeting, whether it's this time or next, and they see it and they, and they, they think, you know what, he, he does have something here, they do have something that's good here, and we, we, can, we can roll this out. And, um, you know, I've, I've got, I've, my, my boss at Nike has, has said that, you know, it'd be great if we could get Cherry Alexander, the event director from British Athletics, to come and watch our meeting. And um, yeah, I'm going to be inviting her in the next week, actually, and hope that she can, if she can't make it, just watch it, because that's all I need people to do. As soon as you watch it, you'll know what I mean. Just got to give it 10 seconds and you know exactly what I mean by this. And uh, hopefully the right people can see it. And yeah, we'll be away. I don't doubt for a second that it's going to be a roaring success. Lloyd, thank you so much for coming on a run with me. Thanks, having man. a little chat and having a coffee and being a brilliant guest in the big run. Thanks for having me, mate. Sweet. Sweet. Nailed it. Thanks, mate. That was wicked. Great chat. We can chat all day, can't we? A big thank you to Lloyd for coming on the show and for joining me on a very sunny run in Victoria Park in East London. I'll be putting in links to the Comeback 5000 in the show notes, along with links for this month's competition. The performance of the month continues and there's also that big run 15, 15% discount courtesy of the legends at Saw Running. I hope you've got a lovely weekend of running ahead of you and I'll see you all next week for the big run. Thanks for listening.